so good to be with you. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, today is an amazing day. Happy Labor Day to some of you. Happy Labor Day to all of us, some of you. Happy Labor Day to all of you. I uh, hope you get some rest on today. Let me make a quick announcement for some of you here. Um, not only am I one of the pastors here, but I get a chance to work with the young adults here on staff. So quick heads up, this Friday, September 10th, we're going to be hanging out in downtown Louisville. We're definitely going to be stopping by Sweet Cal. Um, so I hope you get a chance to uh, come hang out with us. That's anywhere between the ages of 18 to 30. Um, some of you have been asking some of the things that we're doing. And so we're getting nailing down our calendar, and we're getting together just to get to know each other a little bit more, and so get to, know, uh, get to know that a little bit more, and so if you have any questions, make sure you reach out to me or our intern, Carly, all right? Well, listen, now that that is out the way, like I said, happy Labor Day. Not only is today Labor Day, but today is also my dad's birthday. So, dad, I know you're going to be watching this. Shout out to you, my hero, my great example. Thank you for being a father and a friend to me. Um, not only is it Labor Day, not only is it my dad's birthday, but today is also my anniversary today, all right? So six years, married couple should have gave me a little bit more love than that right there, definitely. <laughs> yes, yeah, six years ago, I made the best decision of my life outside of following Jesus, getting to know my amazing, beautiful, intelligent wife. You have made me so much better, and I cannot wait to continue to spend my life with you. This has been such a journey, but it has been all worth it. And because I am your man, girl, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I got you, boo. I got you, boo. I got you. A card and some flowers. This is just the beginning. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. That's it. That's it. Well, listen, it is my anniversary. I'm so excited about that. I get to celebrate right after this. Um, so don't ask me a ton of questions after this, all right? So we'll be, we'll be uh, celebrating together, and I'm looking forward to that. I was going to have the production team play some Al Green right after this, but I would have never made it to my sermon. So, um, but here's the thing I want to uh, give you a heads up on. Some of you, I don't know how you spend your anniversary. I don't know if you guys have any questions about marriage, but from Aisha and I, this is what kind of marriage looks like for us right here. Guys, get ready. This is it. I want you to know. Up. Uh, don't know? Uh, maybe? There it is. Boom! I would have never done this before marriage. Never done this before marriage. Now I'm exfoliating, getting all things done, a mask, right? So here we go. I just wanted to share that with you guys and get a little few laughs out of that. Um, but it has been an amazing journey, so um, shout out to my wife. But listen, today we have to get started for what we're going to be talking about, and I'm excited to open up what God has been putting on my heart. You know, today, as we begin to reflect on um, some of the things, even for me and Aisha, I begin to think about our devotion time. I begin to think about just what God has been placing on my heart. And today, I want to share that with you. See, for Aisha and I, in our marriage, we kind of mark this day as a day that is reflecting. And we get a chance to reflect on today. So at some point, we'll be doing some reflecting this weekend. And what we do is we begin to think about the things that have brought us to this point, especially this past year, and then begin to dream about the future, begin to dream about what we want to be, who we want to be, and how we intentionally go after that. And today, I want to kind of bring you into some of that process because I think it's important for all of us to take moments of pause to reflect. And the truth is, when it comes to reflecting, our moments of reflecting today is not just going to be kind of roses and daisies. We made sure that in our time of getting together on our anniversary of reflecting, there has to be some moments of truth-telling. There have to be some moments of honesty tremendous amounts of grace, but we recognize that if there is no truth-telling, we can't move forward for who we want to be in the future. So there's going to be some honesty on today. There's going to be some truth-telling on today. And what I like about that is, as I begin to think about our time together here, 
I begin to think about what does that look like for us as a community? What does that look like for how we move forward as a community? What the truth-telling process is? See, for us, when me and Aisha, as we begin to do some truth-telling, as we begin to be honest with one another, there's going to be some surface things and some deep things. Like, we're going to get into some things that annoy us, okay? We're going to get into some things that drives us crazy. She's going to bring up an entire list, but today, I got the mic. So, I'm going to be bringing up some list of things around just the way that she drives. I mean, people, people, people. I call my mother-in-law all the time, like, who raised this young lady? Who taught her how to drive? Who taught her how to drive? I just, it's something in the passenger seat, and don't even get me started on parallel parking. I sit there and I think to myself, oh, it's just fingers on a chalkboard to me of like, oh my gosh, like, you're from LA, like, that's like a rite of passage, right? Like, you gotta learn how to play parallel park, find that parking spot. If it's not that, it's gonna be how she loads the dishwasher. People, listen to me. And some of you are probably in the same room right now, and you need repentance. When you are washing dishes and you put the silverware or any sort of uh, utensils standing upward, like the fork is up, the knife is up, people have to reach for that. Like, don't, it just doesn't make sense to me, right? It's just one of those things that I look at and I'm like, ah, we just moved into a new home and she has rearranged everything. I can't find nothing these days. It's just one of those things. I would just, that's going to be my day today. We're going to be talking about some truth telling, but... Not only do we have moments of truth-telling that's kind of service level, but we get to some things that's a little bit deeper than that. My question for you today, not even a question, a thought that I have that I wrote down, that oftentimes, because me and Aisha has got to this place where we recognize that oftentimes things that annoy us reveal opportunities for growth. The things that annoy us, the things that frustrate us, we now have landed in a place of recognizing these are opportunities for growth. The things that frustrate you, the things that bring you discomfort, how are you viewing them? What is your perspective on them? Is it seeing it as something that's an opportunity for growth, or do you just see it as something that just drives you crazy? For us, as we continue to try to work on our relationship and our marriage, we recognize that oftentimes things that annoy us are opportunities for growth. And as I think about that on today, the things that annoy us both, the things that we both land on and see as something in our relationship that annoys us both, that we cannot stand and that we will continue to fight until our dying days, is stagnation. When our marriage becomes stagnant, and we have these ebbs and flows, people, but we both have a frustration around a stagnant marriage, a marriage that's not moving, a marriage that has no life, and we begin to recognize this is the truth about stagnation, that it's subtle. It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that creeps up on you. There's a passage in Scripture that tells us that it's the little foxes that destroy the vine, simply letting us know that it's the little things along the way that will bring you to a place of stagnation. And it's something that frustrates us. It's something that annoys us. And sometimes it's an ebb and flow in our relationship where one is working on it more than the other and somebody is caring about something way more than the other person and it brings a little bit of a a disharmony, a disunity. And we get to a place where we both, at some point, whether she's bringing it to me or I'm bringing it to her, we look at each other in our face. If you don't write down anything else for the rest of this sermon, this is the theme for today. Something's got to change. Something has to change. We look at each other, we recognize, look, if we continue down this road, if we see the trajectory of where this ends up, I don't like where this is going. 
Something has to change. Babe, we got to get together. We got to figure out something because the way that things are going, and for some of you under the sound of my voice, you see things in your life. And maybe you're in that same space. And I'm talking to people today that is frustrated about stagnation, that something has to change. And maybe that's marriage for you, but maybe it's not. Maybe that's finances for you. Maybe by the end of the week or maybe at the end of the month, you look at that account and you log on and you think to yourself, something has got to change. Do I pick up another shift? Do I try to find another babysitter? Do I cut here? Do I cut there? Because the way things are going, something has to give. Something has to change. See, what comes with stagnation is a burden. There's a weight that comes with stagnation. And today, I want to talk about what that looks like in our lives, because maybe it's finances, maybe it's marriage. For some of us, we look in the mirror, and we're not satisfied with what we see. I can't keep walking around like this. Something has to change with my body image. Something has to change. Some of us who call ourselves Christians in the room, you look at some of the sin that you have allowed to just sit in your life and dwell. You think to yourself, something's got to change there. I can't keep going with this same routine, having this struggle. I'm not doing anything about it. I'm not having any sort of investment. I just allowed it to be something that I just keep alongside with me for the journey. For some of you, maybe it's not those things. I believe when we look at our lives, if we dig down deep enough, we'll look at our walk with God and see that something has to change. Something has to change. Now, I recognize that today I'm not talking to everybody. I know this is going to be one of those messages that some of you may even tune out, but I believe there are some people under the sound of my voice, you don't sit well when you go home and you think about where you are in your relationship with God, if you take time to even ponder that. Things have gone, grown ritualistic in the relationship with God. And I'm talking from experience. I'm talking from my own life here. See, as I sat down and I began to think about my own devotion time, I began to sit in a place of something's got to change. I've got more time doing all these other things that I can complain about not having time. But then I look at my schedule and I say, well, I filled it with everything else except for God. And then I sit there and I think to myself, something is wrong. Something is not right. And there's a few scriptures that have actually sat with me and has been sobering scriptures that I sat with. I want to share them with you on today. And I want you to hear these words. And I'm going to get to the tone of this message in just a little bit. But I want you to hear these words. This is the words of Jesus. This guy named John, who was a follower of Jesus, wrote down some of these words. And Jesus is writing to churches. Jesus is speaking to churches. I believe there are seven churches. It's going to be in the book of Revelation, and he's articulating some things that he is commending about those churches, but then he's talking about some things that he's actually not okay with, dissatisfied when it comes to some of the churches. Listen to these words in Revelation chapter 3. It says, this is Jesus. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I'm sitting with that on today because as he's writing that to the churches, here's what I want us to all collectively sit under on today. I sit there and I sit, this is me, Maurice, 
Like, this is the church of Maurice right now. Like, I'm talking about the temple that I am walking. I'm talking about myself. When I read those words, I don't think of it so much as a scent. I think of it as me. I think of God's words to me. And I don't know if that's where your church is on today, where your soul is, where your presence is on today. But that is something that sits for me. That it's neither hot nor cold. It's a lukewarm. It's, and sometimes what some of us would say on today, a meh relationship. Has your walk with God become something that has grown meh? It's not something that's really this or that. It's kind of just meh. I know you hear those words and it seems like, ooh, this is going to be one of those somber messages on today. Here's the tone I want you to hear on today because he wrote those words in 16 and 17. Right in 19, God says these words also. And I want you to hear this so clearly because this is the thing that is actually bringing me peace this is what's bringing me a little bit more of an a, a ambitious joy to know that these are God's words as he gives those critiques to us. Listen to this in verse 19, in the same passage, a few verses down. To whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Whom I love, I rebuke. To whom I love, I discipline. It's, it's a little bit for me in the sense that when I was coaching football, right? It was the, when I was coaching football, if I was not talking to you, you should be worried about play, any playing time on Friday. If I'm grilling you, if I'm in your face, I see something in you and I want you to be better. I'm in your face. I'm grilling you. I'm chewing sunflower seeds and spitting all over the place because I want you to be better. I want you to recognize this is discipline because I love you. And I believe God's words to us, for some of us, once again, this isn't a message for everybody, but a word for some of us on today is that to whom I love, I discipline. And if you're in that space of that church of things, something's got to change in your relationship, some sort of rhythm has to change in your walk with God, I want you to hear these words on today. Because there's some of us that are in a space where we want better. We want more out of the relationship. We want something deeper. And before you kick that can down the road, before you dismiss that feeling of frustration, before you kind of shake it off of like, ah, man, that did suck for a little bit, and then you keep distracting yourself with something else, before you do that on today, maybe the thing that annoys us, the thing that brings us discomfort is an opportunity for growth is a nudge, so to speak, by God's spirit that we can change what's taking place in our life. So listen, here's what I'm talking about today. If you're taking notes, what do we do with a spiritual life that has plateaued, that has grown apathetic? If we honest with ourselves, it happens to every single one of us, that we allow more of the rhythms of our life and the rhythms of our culture and things that we go on, the busyness of our schedule, to be the thing that guides us. We leave our relationship and our walk with God up to chance. I've been there time and time again, but I want to continue to just prod on something has to change. My spiritual life hits cruise control when? I wrote down a few thoughts. 
I want you to take this, take notes of this. My spiritual life hits cruise control when. I wrote this down, and a few weeks ago, you heard our lead pastor, Bill. He was uh, detailing and talking about uh, one of the founding team meetings uh, not too long ago that we just had. And we had a group of you, I mean, many of you that's in the room right now, we started to talk about uh, some truth-telling on that night. And what I loved about that is one of the things that he brought up was heydays. Heydays. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. Heydays. When you find yourself talking more about the heydays of your walk with God than you do about the present and the future, you might have hit cruise control. When you are living more on a decision that you made years ago than a present decision that you're making today, you might have hit cruise control. When you get into a rhythm of talking about, man, my relationship used to be like, man, we used to be so on fire. Man, I, when that mission trip happened, this was something that took place. Man, I just remembered that. And you kind of press pause right there, and you kind of keep your relationship with God in that wrapped-up bubble of space of time, and you kind of just kind of feed off of that. I don't know how long ago that was, but when we begin to talk about the heydays, when we begin to talk about, remember that one fast that I went on? Man, I was pursuing God really hard. I'm talking to some of the Christians that's in the room. When you begin to talk about the decisions that you made previously, when you begin to lead in certain spaces, when you begin to uh, a high school group, and man, when we would walk through Scripture together and we used to do this together, it's good to highlight and it's good to applaud moments that God has been faithful But the question becomes, when's the last time you've seen God work? When's the last time not only that you've seen God work, but that you took time to praise God because of the work that he's done, to thank him and sit in a space of worship because of what he has done? Man, I used to be so close to God. I used to have such an amazing relationship. And you begin to tell others how to get there because that's how you did it. But never reflecting, never sitting in a space of, When's the last sacrifice you made? What's the last thing that you've done for God in a way that you pursued him? Not just walked after God, but in a sense of pursuing, a sense of I want something to change so bad. I want something, I want this presence in my life so bad. The presence is there, but you ever been in a situation where you're next to someone, but you feel very distant than that person? Like, God's presence is everywhere. We recognize that. He's omnipresent, all places at all times. I don't want to get, mess up any theology here. God's presence is living in us. God's presence is with us. But you've been in a space where you've been next to someone, but you feel so distant from them. In the heydays, when we begin to talk about what life once was before, not only is it heydays, but I wrote down another one. The other one that I wrote down was minimum maintenance requirements. Now, for those of you who are married in the room, I want you to really ponder this because in a relationship, in a thriving relationship, is it really based off of what is the minimum that I've got to do to keep this thing alive? If I sat down with Aisha on today, on our six-year anniversary, and I said, babe, just give me the minimum things Just give me that checkbox list so that I can just knock that out, get that out the way, and keep you kind of satisfied right over here. Minimum requirements, maintenance requirements. If a relationship has gotten to a place of maintenance, maybe your spiritual life has hit cruise control. 
Not only is it minimum maintenance requirements, because, well, I'm going to sit there for just a little bit, because I think even when we begin to talk about minimum maintenance requirements, we look at Scripture and we look at the person who said, what does it take to enter into the kingdom of God? How do I have eternal life? He's asking this question to Jesus in the New Testament. And Jesus says, well, this is what the law says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the Bible says, listen to this minimum maintenance requirement to get in, right? The Bible says, seeking to justify himself, he asked, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? He wasn't having a question of wanting to have a theological question or wanting to know a little bit more deeper about what he meant. Was there some sort of exegesis or deep word of when he said neighbor? No, no, no. He was seeking to justify his minimum requirements. Because if I can just check that box off, if you give me the answer of, it's the person living next door to you, perfect. I'll just focus on that person. But we recognize that's not how relationship works. And when we get to a space where we start to think to ourselves, what is just that next little checkbox? Because whatever it is that a Christian is supposed to do, I'll just do that. Just give me the list of things, Maurice, of what I'm supposed to do and I'll make sure I do that. Listen, sometimes it'll get to a point of X, Y, Z, and then it gets to a point of, this is your relationship. This is what you and God, how have your conversations been? I can't give you all the answers. No person can give a person all of the answers. We get to a space of doing what I'm supposed to do. It's when Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, I wrote this scripture down. It says, these are the words of Jesus. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Your spiritual life may have hit cruise control, not only when it comes to heydays, not only when it comes to minimum maintenance requirements, but also when it comes to trophy God. That's a term I made up for today. It's derived off of the term that we use in culture sometimes of trophy wife, Right? And for me, what I perceive when someone says a trophy wife or in some ways, it's always a negative connotation. And what it kind of details is a person that's gotten in a relationship, some sort of partnership of having a person that's next to them for the sake of optics, of the appearance, of what it looks like so that I can bring you to a wedding and you can be my wedding partner. I can have a plus one finally. I don't have to be alone and I can have these optics. We can take pictures. We can put it on social media. Maybe it's a trophy wife. Maybe for some of you, you got a trophy friend. Maybe for some of you, you've gone through a space in time of having a trophy relationship. I don't know what that trophy is for you, but I think sometimes we recognize that we get to a place in our conversations, and if we do a true assessment, we use God more of as a trophy than in a relationship that is intimate and organic. It sounds good to say, yeah. I'm a Christian, I know God, I know Jesus. It's something that we kind of carry around as like a little badge, and I'm not wearing it today, but sometimes I wear a cross, right, and I can walk around and like, yeah, Jesus. Amen, John 3.16. And it's more of something that's a trophy than it is an honest relationship. Maybe for you it's not heydays, maybe it's not minimum maintenance requirements, maybe it's not trophy, God. For some of us, you recognize that your spiritual life has hit cruise control when you have soul neglect. 
Some of us, and we sit in this room right now, we don't even, we don't even recognize the things that's taken, in our, that's taken place in our soul because we don't have enough time to, excuse me, take inventory of that. It's so interesting that I, was, I wrote that down uh, 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 last night and as I was studying doing some of the things. And uh, today I was actually on my way to the bathroom and I ran into Mindy Caliguire, our one of our uh, steering team lead persons that's uh, head, uh, head of the church, working with our church. And uh, I gave her a hug. And one of the things that crossed my mind is she's here today, but she has done decades and decades of work around soul care. And I remember, because I wrote this down, it was just this past weekend as I began to study, when I wrote down soul neglect, I remember setting up a meeting with Mindy one time, and when I was sitting down with her, I sat down and I talked with her, and one of the things that we, I discussed was, you know, I just, I just don't even think about my soul. And she kind of laughed because it was one of those things that, like, a lot of people, I can tell that she's heard that before. And, and I, she began to detail some of these things. She began to talk about what that looks like, and she said, of course, of course you don't. And she began to tell me why and all these other things. But I think what happens in our ebbs and flows of life that when we're not careful and we don't take inventory of our soul, some theologians would say it's where the Holy Spirit and our spirit meet. That's where the soul is. When's the last time we took an inventory of our souls? And for me, when I answer that question honestly, it's not a good answer. Thus, my spiritual life sometimes hitting cruise control. So today, as we talk about that, as we detail some of those things, go ahead and take a deep breath. Woo, we went to some deep waters, all right? I can feel it in the room. I'm a filler. I'm a filler. Um, it's okay. Take a deep breath. Uh, one of the things I wanted uh, to talk about with that is that those are indicators of what that looks like. But I, I think what's more important, and I want to be very optimistic with this because God's presence is with us. Like God's redemption power, his resurrecting power dwells inside of us. Listen, every single one of us, if you're sitting under this room right now and you think to yourself, something has got to change, you have that ability. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. You're right. And God is sitting right there ready for things to change, He's ready in a relationship with you to take another step. But we've recognized the indicators, but what are some of the reasons why we get to that space? I'm going to go into a little bit more of a teaching moment here. What are some of the reasons why we get to that space? I think one of the reasons, I'm going to just go ahead and blaze through these. I think we're in a season and a space in our uh, culture where there's overwhelming information, overwhelming information in our lives. I mean, you can go on to so many different things. And I was talking to a therapist friend the other day, and they were telling me that so many people have come across tragedy fatigue that there's so much information, and you can hear about an earthquake in Nepal, and then you can hear about uh, this happening over here in Haiti, and you can hear about this, you know, human trafficking taking place in this area, and you can hear about this person over here and the homelessness, homelessness that's just going crazy over here, and, and you just scroll, and that's when in a matter of 10 minutes, you've just come across major, major problems in our world. And because we have so much information we can get to a point where we just want to turn things off. We get to a point where we're just like, I don't want it anymore. And because we have the ability to do so, that we want to return right back to our comfort, that I don't want to hear anything else. I think information overload is one. I think sometimes when we look at our relationship, even with God sometimes, sometimes we can feel helpless. Like, I don't know if I can change this. Like, I don't know if the weight that I'm feeling of this stagnation can actually change, so let me just go ahead and kick the can down the road a little bit. I think some of us, 
we're blessed and cursed with comfort. We're blessed and we're cursed with comfort. That sometimes the things that we go through, things that we face, that we recognize that we have the ability to go ahead and turn things off. And I think we do that same thing in our relationship with God. That we have the ability to go ahead and walk away from it. We have the ability to kind of leave that on the shelf. Back to the trophy God scenario. We got the ability to kind of say, yeah, I went to church. I went to this little founding team thing. Check the box, check the box. All is well. But how well is our relationships and our walk with God, our souls, really going? How well is our souls really when we continue to go through life on cruise control spiritually? It's one thing to look at our finances. It's one thing to look at our marriages. It's one thing to look at the things that we're doing in the community as an indicator and as an assessment. But have we dug deep enough to ask the question, spiritually speaking, this is where I am when it comes to God and our walk? There's another scripture that I want to read for you, and I want you to hear these words. I want you to hear these words as something that is going to be a little bit more of our, our marching orders. As I was going through some of these things, and I begin to see what God has put on my heart, and I'm just talking to some people that, if you're sharing the same season as me, maybe these are words for you as well. In Deuteronomy 1.6, it says this right here, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. Look, I'm giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it, for it is the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of their descendants. Go back to verse 6 for me. You have stayed at this mountain long enough. I want you to hear my words on today. I don't know what your mountain is. I don't know the thing that you've been facing. I don't know the thing that has caused you to grow apathetic in your relationship or have your relationship plateau. But God's word to you on today is that you've stayed there long enough. God's word for every single one of us on on today is that you've been at this mountain long enough. And I love that there's even a verbiage of mountain here, that this indication that there's something that's massive that you've been facing. There's something that's huge that's been right in front of you. There's something that's probably been so giant in your life, and I don't know what that is. That could be something very deep. That could be something very surface. Whatever it looks like for you, you've been at that mountain that has kept you from taking another step towards God long enough. You've stayed at that place of stagnation long enough. God's word to you on today is go into that land. Take that, next, take that extra step. Move forward into the thing that is God is calling you to. Because when God says to us that he has come to give us a full life, some of us can look at our lives right now and recognize that's not it. John 10, 10 lets us know that the thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy But God has come to give us life and life to the full. Is your life really to the full? Is our lives really to the full? Or have we been at this mountain long enough? This mountain of shame, this mountain of neglect, this mountain of addiction, this mountain of apathy, this mountain, you fill in the blank. We've been there long enough, and God is saying, step into 
the place that I've called you to. Step into the land that I have already given you. God has already gone before us. And in our relationship with him, God is saying, take that next step. Here's a few things. I wrote down two things that I want to give us on today that lets us know what it really means for us. Because how we overcome a spiritual life that has grown apathetic, I got two things. One of the ones I want to mention is environments matter. Environments matter. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Environments matter. Who have you been around lately? These are some of the kind of elementary steps that we even walk with when we talk to, uh, when we lead high schools, small groups, and college small groups. Like, who's the people that you've been around? Who is your community? Who's the voices that influence you in this season? And remember, moments of truth-telling, if you look at those people, what are conversations like? Are they conversations that are taking you further, or are they conversations that are leaving you stagnant? Are they conversations that's pressing you closer to your relationship with God, or are they conversations that's actually kind of staying in the same place that you was last year and two years ago, and you're still talking about the same thing, the heydays? Are these people that are pushing you forward, or are they people that are keeping things stagnant? Environments matter. No matter who you are, no matter what background that you come from, you recognize that when something is going to grow and it's going to flourish, the environment that it is in matters. The things that are feeding it matters. Basic agricultural things, when you're planting and things like that, the things that the environment is in, sometimes certain plants and certain fruit and certain uh, uh, vegetables don't grow because of the environment. It's simple as that. What's our environment like? What are the things that we're listening to these days? Don't get me wrong, I'm going to have some moments where I'm listening to music and listening to other things where, you know, Drake's new album and all these things, right? Like we have some moments where we have some things that's going on in our lives. But are you also having things in your life that is feeding your soul? Because certified lover boy is not feeding my soul, it's just giving me a good time. Some of you know what I'm talking about, this is for like 30 and under right now. Um, but some of the things that's going on, some of the things that's taking place, what's, what are the things that you're listening to? What, what is feeding you? What's happening when it comes to your ear gates? We have to be mindful and take guard of the things that we're putting inside of us. So environments matter. But not only does environments matter, and I want to land it here, exposure matters. Exposure matters. See, the things that we are expose ourselves to, and this is the thing where we are in control of, the thing that we actually place ourselves in, the things that we expose ourselves to, it matters. Here's why. Because our interest in something only grows when consistency grows. Are we consistent when it comes to taking another step in our relationship with God? Are we consistent when it comes to the things around God, our investment towards that? Because when we aren't consistent around it, we grow critical. We grow apathetic. Our relationship begins to plateau because where's the consistency in it? And not ritualistic consistency, intentional consistency. Consistency that is actually with purpose. Consistency that's actually aimed towards something, not, well, yeah, I've been going to church for the past, you know, 10 Sundays and I've been consistent. Well, what are you actually doing? How present are you in those moments? How much are you applying some of the things that's been going on? 
What's the devotion time for you look like? Exposing ourselves to things that will continue to have our consistency grow. See, when we grow consistent, when we expose ourselves to things, we begin to recognize in our own life that exposure is sometimes the very thing that is the plateau, or excuse me, the, 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 the catalyst for our relationship with God. Some of you, you've been exposed when you've gone on mission trips. Some of you, you've exposed yourself to the things of God. We find pathways here at Ascent to expose people to certain things. And anytime you hear us talking about things like a mission trip or things like justice or whatever that may look like, we view those things as pathways for a deeper relationship with Jesus. See, we just don't do things for the sake of doing things. We actually have these things in place because they're another step that you can take towards your relationship. We do baptism, we do communion, we do things like a a racial justice class, we do things like a seminar and webinars and these different things that we view as pathways to spiritual formation. And I recognize that sometimes you've been here and you've recognized to yourself, listen, I'm tired of some of the things that's going on. I totally get that. I totally get it. And I wrote down, because I want to slow down for a second and just to to make mention that we do things that move the heart of God. We do things that we see that breaks the heart of God. This is a little bit of a branch off of like the main, main topic. But if you're going to take your next step, you're going to have to focus on something. That's the application for today. If you're going to take your next step in your relationship with God, you've got to focus on something. There's so many things out there. And some of you are even thinking to yourself, well, what do I do? You can go from one thing to the next. You can go from reading your word to this prayer and like all these different things. I can give you a list of things. Here's one of my encouragement to you. Focus on one. Focus on one, maybe two things. And as the band makes their way to the stage, I think what's been helpful for us to recognize in this season, even as a church, we viewed ourselves and said, what are the things that we're focusing on? What are the things that we're going to nail down and say matter to us. See, we as a church, if we don't focus on something, we'll try to aim at everything, trying to please every single person, and then we just get off track of our mission. And some of you have been on this journey with us of nailing down what that is. I want to give you two things that we have nailed down, that we have said we're going to just be about. And we will view as something that is environmental and exposure for every single person here to take another step in Christ. We can't do everything. We recognize there are so many things. There's a plethora of things that we can do. But as a community, we've nailed down that when it comes to racial justice, that we'll be about that. And I want to take a moment to just say, boy, I get tired of talking about it just as much as you do. And some of you in here are like, you're really rallied up about talking about it. Some of you are just like, I want to take a pause from it. Listen, I'm with you sometimes when you don't want to talk about it. Because I sit there and I'm talking like, I'll send an email to Bill and say, I don't want to talk about it. But we recognize that we will continually to expose ourselves to something in this world that we say something has to change. So sure, you may not be always about it and all these different things, but we just nailed down and said, we're going to be consistent in an area to say we want to be about that. Secondly, when it comes to women equality, that's something that we've nailed down as a church years and years ago, if you're new here, that we're going to be about. And the same thing goes for that as well. You may be not wanting to hear about it or thinking that it's something else or something that's political. Listen, it's something that we have seen that we're going to say, we don't like what's taking place in this area and something's got to change. And because of that, 
we'll be a part of that. What are the things in your life, before you become critical about the church and the things that we've nailed down, what is the thing in your life that you're going to focus on, that you're going to see as something that's a focus that you will continue to move forward, that will be the next step in your relationship with God? Because it's our heart here that every single person begins to continue to take a next step in their relationship with Jesus. In the moment that we stop stepping, in the moment that we actually view our relationship as something that's just a trophy, the moment that we start to plateau, that's not the life that Jesus came and died for. That's not the full life. That's not the abundant life that Jesus has for every single one of us. So when in those moments of mundane, sitting in a space where you're just getting to yourself and you look at your spiritual walk and you say to yourself, something's got to change, what's the focus? What's going to be your focus for this next season that something will change in your relationship? For me, as I sat in my devotion time and sat in my quiet time, in my own personal walk, I said, Lord, I need more time. And maybe time is just a general thing for you and it may be something that you've been thinking about before. But I begin to wrestle with... What does my investment time look like? What, what is, no one who has done something great for God has only given God the extras, the kibbles and bits after their day. The, the, the just little extra, here's my little quick, let me get on my knees and pray right before I go to bed so that there's something that I, I can check off the box. So my thing in this season is intentional time. Not just time for ritualistic sake, but what does intentional time look like for Maurice? Maybe for you, that's biblical literacy, and you're beginning to read God's Word a little bit more to know more of who He is. For some of you, that fast that you've been talking about that you took in the heydays, it's probably that for you. A fast is simply something where you distance yourself from something, some of the things, primarily food, so that you can grow closer to God. What's that thing for you on today? My encouragement to you is find the one thing, focus on that and be intentionally consistent with it. Find the one thing, focus on that, and be intentionally consistent with that, and watch how God meets you and your intentionality. Watch how the presence of the Holy Spirit meets you in your intentionality. Because the Bible tells us that when we draw near to God, He draws near to us. That the moment that we open that door, he's been waiting right there with his arms wide open. And it's what true relationship looks like. May we all be fiercely fighting the sin of apathy and cruise control and trophy God and minimum maintenance requirement. Let's all be fiercely fighting things that cause us to drift in our relationship with God. Would you pray with me? God, on today, the prayer is simple. Some of us in this room have grown stagnant. But we know and we see in your word that it is the power of the resurrection that is dwelling inside of every single one of us. And some of us are in need of resurrecting power in our relationship with you. 
resurrecting power in our marriage, resurrecting power when it comes to what it looks like in our marriage, in our relationships, in our, in our finances, all of these different areas, but none of them matter more than our relationship with you. Help us focus and find out what is the next step because something has to change. And Lord, when we meet you with intentionality, you meet us with your grace, with your mercy, with your joy, with your optimism, with your dreaming, with again, with your expectations that you go beyond our expectations. Lord, you show us the grand God that you are. And may we see you clearly enough to take that next step. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.